Well, everybody, welcome to this week's edition of Racing Hotspot. I'm Devin Potts-Lesney. I'm joined by uh, Mr. Jordan Jenkins. Jordan, how are you doing today? Doing good, Devin. How about yourself? I'm doing good. Doing good. It is Tuesday, February 27th. We're recording this a day late. I or don't really have a set schedule yet. I don't have a release schedule. It's not like we have to fight for airtime with other radio podcasts. Um, but anyways, recording this on Tuesday, the 27th, a um, couple days after the Atlanta weekend, which I think was, it ended on a really high note. It went better, I think, in general, overall, because first of all, Mother Nature didn't get the memo we were racing in Atlanta this weekend. Yeah. Which is good. There was no threat of rain at all, which is, there was like a 1% chance of rain like all weekend in, in Atlanta. Right. I think she thought we were racing over in Vegas or wherever it was raining up in the mid-northwest corner of the, <laughs> the country. Um, she thought we were in Portland or something. But uh, mm-hmm. no, I think overall, I think it was a great weekend. Um, what we're going to do, folks, is obviously the big talking point is that cup race, three wide finish, you know, my goodness, what a fantastic race. But we're going to talk about the other series first here, the trucks and the Xfinity. Not only because we think they're going to be quick talking points, but also they're just going to follow the, the way of the schedule. And obviously, you know, we had truck. We also wanted, we had truck race first, Xfinity race, then the cup race. But we also want to talk about that Joey Logano penalty with what Fox's Mike Joy described the baseball type glove that he had to try and catch the air to keep the air out of his race car um, and talk about that and then whatever else sprinkles in. Yeah. That's kind of how this kind of how this goes. So Jordan, I caught the end of the truck race. It, or actually the beginning of the truck race. It seemed pretty calm, all things considered, but yeah, it, I didn't see the whole race myself either, but I did see highlights, and it did seem like it was a yeah, pretty calm race overall. Yeah. No, I mean, I think compared to Daytona last week to be coming into Atlanta, a similar super speedway, I think that's what they're calling this. It's a mile shorter than Daytona and Talladega. But, uh, you know, it still runs at the same characteristics. I think everyone was kind of not scared. That's not the right word. But coming out of Daytona, it definitely was one of those, what's going to happen because of what happened to Daytona? Right. And, I mean, for the truck series standpoint, the series director is probably pleased that it was a calm race compared to what the last two races were. Obviously, last week at Daytona and the season finale at Phoenix. Mm, Right. But overall, I don't think there was a lot of action overall in that race. And I'll, I'm going to say the same thing for the Xfinity Series race as well, yeah, which is, I think, why a lot of people were expecting the same thing with the Cup race in Atlanta, because obviously it was like, oh, usually, usually the truck race or the Xfinity race, sometimes both, obviously, someone if the truck series is racing that weekend, truck and Xfinity usually have the best race of the weekend over the Cup series. Right. So it's obviously like, oh, no, the truck series and the Xfinity series didn't really have a great race. What's the Cup race going to be like? Right. Right, I mean, and I, I listened to uh, one of my favorite podcasts, Door Bumper Clear, half of their show this morning, and don't worry, folks, I'll go back, or to the, the DBC guys, I'll go back and listen to the rest of it, but they had mentioned the same exact thing. 
you know, everyone kind of measures the weekend off of how the Xfinity races or how the truck races and those two races weren't they weren't horrible. They were act they they had action, they were passing, you know, you had moves, you had situations, um like good racing situations, but they were not your spectacular weekend. Like everybody thought last week the Daytona 500 is going to be a a wreck fest. And it wasn't up until about 10 to go <laughs> when the whole field when the whole field got involved in that one accident at the end of the back straightaway, but like overall it wasn't bad. So I think this is the second week in a row that you're your lesser, your not lesser, your lower level series. There's the words. The lower level series is not previewing and showing what your your top dog is gonna gonna be. And I think Jordan agree or disagree with me on this. I think that's a good thing. Like yeah, when when I, you're, I would agree. yeah, when you when you and what I mean by that is. Just to further elaborate, because I realize it might just be like, yeah, it was a good thing the cup race was better. But, like, I always liked it when your series were different. Yes. You know, because, I mean, NASCAR is trying to get people to come to both days. You know, and the diehards like you and I are going to go sit in Loudon's June sun two days in a row to watch, what is it, 500 miles of racing, 600 miles of racing with the Modifieds. If I'm doing my math correctly, it would be six, yeah, six hundred miles, six hundred or six hundred one technically, but um, no, I mean, we're crazy enough. But NASCAR's trying to get that that fan base to do both, and having mm-hmm. one series be different than the other might not work so well. But at the same time, for us as the diehards, we don't want the same race two days in a row. Right. So, I see this as a good thing. Um, as far as the I saw on Twitter somebody said it was a snooze fest for the Xfinity race. I don't really know if I would use the same word, but... I mean, I did catch the whole Xfinity race, and it was also a calm race, but that really didn't have a lot of action until, like, the very end when you had, like, half the field run out of fuel. I was going to say, I heard mostly, it was a... I heard mostly, it. mostly the Fords in the field. I heard it was a fuel mileage race. Yeah, it definitely was, which was kind of why uh, the Daytona 500 got as much hate as it did because the Cup race did the same thing at the, during the 500, where it was more of a fuel mileage race. The Xfinity Series was the ultimately the same thing. Mm. I mean, it's. I think that goes back to what we talked about last week with the whole strategy side of it, and I mean, <laughs> your your Xfinity guys are a little younger; they're newer ish into the sport for them to run a fuel strategy race and then run out of gas, I would say, I don't want to say that's on par, but when you, you know, when you're looking at the veterans of the sport, you know, the big guy, the Denny Hamlins and the Joey Logano's who have been in it forever to be able to manage fuel. That's like just another day in the office for them. Whereas your Jesse loves who are brand new to the Xfinity car. He runs out of fuel. I don't know if he did, but if he ran out of fuel, then it's like, well, I don't want to say that's expected, but <laughs> you know, go from a go go from a go kart to a legends car. They're gonna run differently to try and save fuel. Right. I mean, yeah, Jesse Love did run out of fuel. Oh, he did. Okay. Right, like, pretty much right, right on the restart in the overtime. All right. I unfortunately did not get the chance to catch the Xfinity race. I wanted yeah, to watch it before the Cup race on Sunday, uh, but then things just got crazy. <laughs> I wish I could remember how many drivers lost fuel. 
every single one. But I know Jesse Love lost, ran out of fuel, like right on the restart. All Geyer lost, ran out of fuel. Haley Deegan ran out of fuel. There was a few more in that, but obviously Jesse Love was looking like he was probably going to win the race if he didn't run out of fuel, mm. which, which I would say not bad for uh, someone that was in their second career Xfinity start. Yeah, he's doing really well. He's doing a really three, good job. I mean, is he? Two two poles and three stage wins in, in his first two races at Xfinity? I think that, I'd say that's pretty wrong. good. <laughs> and, and he's not on rookie mode on NASCAR Heat 5. No, he's not. <laughs> he's doing the real he's thing. He's making it seem like he is, but... <laughs> uh, yeah. No, I mean, I think... Yeah, I think he had a great race from what I heard and what I saw in the highlights and everything. Um, just came up short. Mm-hmm. Came up short. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think overall, from again, what I saw, those two races were, were as you said, calm and they they weren't snooze fests. I could under I could understand where people might say that, but I don't think they were. I think they were I think they were more. I think calm a lot of people said that I think a lot of people said that for the truck race because obviously Kyle Bush won the truck series race. Mm. And we all know it's been I would say a controversy for the last several years now with Kyle Bush Probably. racing in the under under like in the lower series like the Xfinity and trucks. Probably close to a decade by now, but I mean, yeah, be good. Excuse but obviously, me. that's why they think the Kyle Bu- what is called the Kyle Bush rule. I did that in quotations. I was gonna so say unofficially. Like, won't yeah. be able to see us. <laughs> the Kyle Bush rule, where Cup Series drivers, I think it's if they're three years in the Cup Series or five years in the Cup Series, they can only do five races in each series a year. Mm-hmm. So obviously, uh, Kyle Busch won in Atlanta on Saturday, and he's running this weekend again at Vegas. So, and I think it, the- it probably was cool on the Spire Motorsports side of it. This a team that's not really in victory lane much to get a win. Obviously, help Kyle Busch doing that, but it is kind of cool too because I believe that was the first. Yeah, that was the first Spire win from our Spire Motorsports in the Truck Series since they bought KBM. No, that makes sense. Kyle, Kyle Busch Motorsports. No, that makes sense because it's only the second race into the season and they bought him over the summer or over the winter. Um, but, yeah, no, I mean, I think that that was all. Awesome. I think Kyle Busch still has a ownership part in Spy the truck team, though. I'm not too sure. I don't think he – I think he still has a say overall of the overlook. I don't know. I believe, but he's, I know he's not the owner anymore. I don't know how that how that goes. I know that there is – parts of the contract that say like hey we're going to you're going to run you can you run some races for us here and there which i think that is good because it is as anybody can imagine when you purchase a race team or start a race team it's difficult to try and compare yourself to the big leagues like the Hedricks and the Joe Gibbs and the Penskes because you know, is it, <laughs> are we not as good because we don't have Kyle Larson? All right. Maybe a bad example, right. you know, but you know, we don't, we don't have Joey Logano or is it because of our equipment? And I think for them to have Kyle Bush come in, and I think this is probably part of the reason why they had Kyle Bush run a handful of their races this year was that you ha- now have a measuring stick, you know, the yes. equipment is solid because a top-tier cup driver came in, and he went from the back to the front a couple different times. Like, it wasn't like he was just out in front in front of the draft all day. 
He worked traffic. He made it work. You know, he did what he needed to do. So now you have to believe in that competition meeting back at Charlotte that they're sitting there going, okay, the equipment's good. Now we just need to find the drivers to back it. So, I mean, and one thing that uh, while we are on the topic of Kyle Busch Motorsports is they have, uh, I don't know if you heard about this, but they have sued Rev Racing for breach of contract. Really? And Rev Racing is in a truck, truck series, and their driver is Nick Sanchez, who just won at Daytona last week. I wonder what the so, breach of contract is. In the lawsuit, is. KBM claims it's owed $325,000 from Concord-based Rev Racing. The website says they're, they are the competition arm of the diversity program. KBM said they partnered with Rev Racing to field NASCAR Craftsman Truck Series driver Nick Sanchez last season, but it claimed Red Racing missed several payments tied to their agreement. Oh. So it's money-related. Yeah, and a lot of people were like, oh, it's just going to ha- affect how Kyle Busch races Nick Sanchez. And overall, I was like, why would Nick Sanchez have anything to do with that? <laughs> I mean, obviously, he's a driver that it's ultimately tied back to, but obviously, it's not... Dick Sanchez's fault. Wow. But Nick Sanchez did get a top five at Atlanta, though. So, obviously, a win at Daytona last week. And then on Saturday, got a top five. So, solid start for him mm. to start the year. He had to be strong last year, obviously. But a great start for him so far this year. For sure. Any other – I got – I just opened up – my email and saw some some TV numbers from this weekend. We can talk about that, but and before I do that, any other thoughts from you on the Xfinity and Truck Series? Um, we can come Shane back to Van this. Oh, yes, Shane Van Gisbergen in P three in Atlanta. Where did he qualify? Do you have that information in front of you? Um, I didn't catch that. He qualified thirteenth. So we went up ten positions in the whole. Wow, that's that's pretty good. Yeah, solid finish for him. Chandler Smith second, finished out the podium, and Sheldon Creed fourth. Obviously, we had another Sheldon Creed Austin Hill battle, which probably going to see every almost every week in the Xfinity series. Probably. <laughs> and a Parker Retzlaff too of Jordan Anderson Racing got a P five too. So that's true. Jeremy Clements got in the top, finished sixth. Anthony Alfredo. Seventh, Jeffrey Earnhardt, the nephew of Dale Jr., mm-hmm. eighth, Ryan Truex, nine, and Sammy Smith, tenth. So overall, I mean, wow, a lot of those not mid-tier level teams. Obviously, Sammy Smith is Junior Motorsports, but yeah, and Ryan Truex is JGR. But Bretzlaff, Clements, Alfredo—they're like mid-tier teams in the Xfinity Series, and they come out of Atlanta with the top ten. Yeah, it's a super speedway, but. Still, though. It's obviously not a Daytona or a Talladega where you don't really see an, an underdog win a, race, win a lot. Yeah, exactly. Wow. But SVG, he's ninth in points right now. Obviously, it's two weeks, so it's early. It's two weeks into the season, but Shane Van Gisbergen being ninth in points after two races, that's a good sign. Yeah, exactly. Average finish of seven and a half on two super speedways, so, so not bad for someone that's never raced super speedways before uh, last week. Yeah, I think Las Vegas is going to be his first test and then followed up by Phoenix. You know, those two mm-hmm. tracks are going to probably be the ones that, that uh, I don't, like, will kind of be a gauge. But I think 
you can take some stuff from Atlanta over to Las Vegas, maybe a little bit, maybe not a lot, maybe a little, but like I think that if you, you know, you can, you can take some basic notebook items <laughs> from Atlanta to Vegas. Yes, not a lot, but some basic. So uh, the Spring Cup race this weekend was up 33% over 2023 Spring Cup race. Uh, Fox had 4.546 million viewers on Sunday night versus the 3.422 in 2023 with about a month difference in the schedule. Um, that was also up 5% from last year's second race, which was Fontana. The trucks were up 13% as well, and the Xfinity race was up 17%. So, wow, up this weekend, and that's good. Yes. That's trending in the right way. Yes, it is. I mean, what do you, like, what do you think, I mean, I can, I can probably pin one thing on it, but what do you think is the reason, in your opinion, the reason for this, this uptick? Um, I think it's more because it's the beginning of the NASCAR season. Hmm. Usually the ratings don't stay consistent. Okay. Obviously the 500 last year, uh, last year, last week had a, like, I think it was like 6 million viewers. Which 10 million. I don't, which, I don't quite remember the number. Which wasn't. The 500 last year. Yeah, it was, it was up. Which but wasn't it, bad, but obviously being at Monday race, obviously you knew the numbers were not going to be what they were going to be on, on, if it raced on Sunday, but. I was just going to say. It's so early in the NASCAR season, so everyone's still, like, pumped up, and obviously, so no one's going to want to miss something, but... I think they... Whew, I, I just think... wonder what the ratings are going to be like at Vegas next week, knowing what we had as a finish. Maybe we're going to be like, oh, we're going to get that again, which we probably won't, because that that's a rare occurrence, but, you know, right. you never know. I mean, and I also think, as much as people were like, oh, Daytona numbers were either just below what they were or just above what they were, I don't think you can use that as a gauge this year only because your ARCA race was at 11 o'clock on Friday night. Your yes. truck race was scheduled correctly, mm-hmm. but the average fan is not going to sit through, what was it, 12 cautions? <laughs> yes. The average fan is going to go, ah, never mind. There's something else on. I mean, my dad yeah. would have changed it over to law and order by the, the, by the fourth or fifth caution. Um, <laughs> but like... Then, like, the Xfinity race was at 9 p.m. on Monday night. So, like, my point is, is as much as you want to sit there and say, oh, well, you know, the numbers for these races weren't weren't what they're supposed to or they only barely got over, consider the fact that they were on Monday and Monday night. <laughs> Arco was Friday night at midnight. I mean, I didn't make it to the end of the race. My DVR didn't even finish recording half the race. It went to bed, too. I did. I, did. I felt proud of myself. Yeah. <laughs> No, but I mean, it's just like, I don't think you can use that as a gauge. And I think, in my opinion, your uptick in Atlanta racing, of racing viewers, and even the 5% from Fontana last year to Atlanta this year being the second race, I, I would ha- want to say part of that is because of that Netflix series. You know, you have people scrolling through Netflix and going, what is this? And 
Netflix did a fantastic job with explaining the sport to your common fan. Yes. You know, they did a great job of saying, you know, this is a 10-second pit stop. 11 seconds? Oh, my goodness. It means this. You know, not just, ah, oh, 11 seconds is bad. Well, why was it bad? So my point is, is I think Netflix, I think the Netflix series is doing something that it did for Formula One, which was it brought attention to Formula One, and it brought Formula One viewership up, and it brought viewership and fan viewership from the United States, at least, as from what I know, went up. Hence why we now have three Grand Prix in one country. I think yes. that it's the same thing you're going to see at NASCAR. Oh, absolutely. And then, of course, you have a three-wide photo finish that's being compared to the Cars movie. Same thing. That helps. It's the same thing. It's literally <laughs> the same finish. But side, the, side by side. But that, but that helps, you know, like, because now everywhere on social media is, did you see this? Even if you're not a NASCAR fan, you're still going, what? Three wide at the end of the race? And it mm-hmm. wasn't Daytona or Talladega? I was going to say, NASCAR Twitter probably still hasn't recovered. <laughs> but they were definitely not recovered yesterday. Because, you know, that's rightfully so. I mean, how often do we have a two-wide finish like that at the line? I mean, usually Talladega usually does it. But anywhere else besides that, where do we usually have a two-wide finish like that? Never mind three-wide. Yeah. I mean, and you know that it was something special when the competitors who quote-unquote lost Kyle Busch and Ryan Blaney get out and look at the replay and go, whoa, that was cool. Like, they didn't get out and were like, like even on those side-by-side finishes, you'll have like a driver get out and they'll be like, well, I could have done this. I could have done that. I could have mm-hmm. done this. But meanwhile, these guys got out and they're just like, yeah, mid interview for Ryan Blaney too. He's getting interviewed, and then you can see him look up, and he goes, "I haven't seen it yet." And he goes, "Holy shit, that was close!" Exactly, that's awesome. And he goes, "That's awesome." And he was on the short end of that. He finished runner up to that. Right, exactly. So, like, even when your competitors are sitting there going, "Whoa, that's a win!" You know, that's a huge win for racing and a huge win for NASCAR, and you know, the sport that just goes in circles. Finishes less than seven one. What was it? Seven one thousandths of a second of each other. I mean, it, the whole the whole top ten was it within three tenths of each other coming to the line. Three yes, tenths of a I, second. Three tenths of a second. Let's put that out there. Yeah, first to third was a separation of seven one thousandths of a second. So Blaine, he so Soares also got the race when Blaney finished the runner up. He was three one thousandths of a second. Yeah, I said that right. Yep, yep. Three one thousandths of a second from Suarez, and Bush was seventh one thousandth of a second from Suarez. Right, like, and that's your top three, folks. Then you go back to four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and guess what? Tenth, I think, was zero point two three five or something like that. Like it was less than three tenths of a second. And again, I cannot stress this enough. That was a second. Like. Look at your watch for a minute. You saw that one second? Guess what? They were faster than that. <laughs> like, like yes. it was it was crazy. Um, 
And again, I think that that's huge. I think that the fans are blowing it up. I mean, we shared it. You and I shared it on our social media accounts. And you know there are people who are friends with us on Facebook or follow us on Instagram or whatever who are going, I don't like racing. I'm just friends with Devin. And then they see that and they're like, oh, whoa. What? So that's exciting stuff for sure. Um, The only thing we were missing, that's the only thing that's different from the car scene from that it finishes they were not tied that's true that's true so they don't have to, they don't have to race in Cal- at california speedway for the pissing cup that's oh, that that gonna be a thing we have a race winner could you imagine we got to tie everyone onto the quarter mile around the quarter <laughs> mile at atlanta um well, that's what a lot of people on, on uh, nascar twitter were saying everyone because you know a lot of people a lot of nascar fans like to look at the movie cars as a nascar documentary <laughs> <laughs> so someone so i recall i can recall seeing someone under uh, either NASCAR's post or Bob Parker's or Jeff Gluck's post. I can't mm-hmm. remember what one of those three. But someone was like, I think I've seen this in a documentary once where it was tied at the line and they went to uh, California Speedway and did a three-car a three car race for the Piston Cup. <laughs> Unfortunately, I don't think we're going to be able to go to California Speedway unless we want to run on the dirt dirt track out there. Um, hey, but, it's been uh, done before. But uh, but done before at Bristol, they can do that. Do it at Fontana. Different type of dirt out there, Jordan. I think that's called construction dirt now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, not construction dirt. For those of you going, what did he just say? It's just a construction zone. <laughs> but anyways, um, no, I mean, going back to the whole TV rating things, I know we kind of got ahead of ourselves with the, the cup race, but going back to the TV rating things, I think, I think it's good. I also think this race was on Big Fox – wasn't on fs1 it ran i think it was regular fox it ran past its tv window so it ran into 7 seven thirty territory where i think it was allotted till six thirty, which again isn't a bad thing but the point is is you have people coming on on a sunday night looking for their local news or their sunday night tv show and they have nascar but it's not, you know, it's not single file, drivers out four seconds in front of the others. It's side by side, running on a sh- really fast race course, really small course as well. Like it's as much as we love Daytona, you have to admit that there are sometimes you look at Daytona and you're just like, we're not done a lap yet. <laughs> it's like after a while. 50 or 49 seconds take forever. Where is it? Atlanta, I think, what, they were running mid-40s, if not low-30s? And, yes. you know, so your, your, your average fan who might be going, eh, I don't really care, and now watching this going, whoa, this is crazy. You know, it's kind of like when people watch the Bristol race and they're doing tw- 15 to 20-second lap times. So, exactly. I don't know. I think it's I think it's definitely a good trend in the right direction for the sport and I think that uh it's it means good things. What so since we're obviously you, you kinda mentioned it but at the forefront of the show. Joey Joey Logano's glove. Yeah, let's talk which about I that. Which I think was which I think sparked confusion. All day Sunday until 
Mike Joy show so I should say Fox showed footage of the in car camera from Saturday. I was qualifying say, a glove. So 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 real quick. And, my, me... and Mike and Mike Joy had a clear explanation of exactly what the penalty was because obviously everyone was like, "You got penalized for a glove? Like what? What is this?" So so I do want to quickly say this, and I know we've talked about this on and off of off screen, and I'm not looking to get into that right now with you, but um, I will say that it was weird how. The penalty comes out, and Fox Race Day is like, oh, it is because that glove is not certified. It's not approved. They didn't give much information other than it's not approved. And then at one point they were like, yeah, watch this replay. And they show it, and they're like, see, right there, it's not approved. And I immediately looked at the... the, um, What's it called? The the patch on it. Like, I was like, oh, the patch clear. Like, I wonder if NASCAR said, oh, that patch is not consistent with everything else. And I'm like, okay. So then 25, 30 minutes later, we start the regular race broadcast. And they start explaining what happened. And then Mike Joy goes, see right there? See the webbing in between his fingers? Kind of like a baseball glove? And I went, oh my goodness. My point is, is that it clearly the webbing was the reason that it got was not approved. It was a modified part. Mm-hmm. And everyone, it wasn't. And, it wasn't because of the glove itself. It was because yeah, the web, it was, webbing. It was the webbing. My and point. obviously, point. You can tell by the glove too, as Mike Joyce said before the race when they when they obviously, I don't want to say had to explain, but obviously they knew. NASCAR fans were confused because this is the first time I believe any driver's been penalized for a glove. Right, and and also fans don't necessarily watch race day; they'll just come on at three o'clock. So you have to kind right. of re go go so, over those storylines. Mike Joyce said when they showed the in-car camera from Logano's car on during qualifying on Saturday, you can see clear as day the wet webbing, and as Mike Joyce said, like a baseball glove, like you mentioned, and you and as Mike Joyce also said, and the, some NASCAR reporters said Jeff Gluck. He said the glove was clearly altered, which I think was mainly the reason it was penalized. Not it was obviously it wasn't SFI approved, mm-hmm. but it was also clearly altered to give an advantage. And I guess my point to go back to that real quick was that, and I don't know if it was just that that information didn't come out, so Fox was trying to explain it without knowing the full information. But I don't think, and I'm not trying to put anybody down here, but I don't think that race day crew did a good job of explaining the situation. And again, it might just be that they did not know exactly why. I mean, that breaking news right. came out maybe 20 minutes before they went on air. You know, so right. they might and be going, they might be saying, oh, it's just not approved. It's not approved. And then by the time Mike Joy gets to it, now you have mm-hmm. that information as to it was because of this. But I will say when Mike Joy explained it, I like threw my hands in the air and I wanted to like, if I knew Mike Joy personally, I wanted to be like, "You hit the nail on yeah, the head." Yeah, that was because that was in a, that was a great. He did a great explanation job. for him, and obviously it helped that they showed the in car too. So it wasn't like we were looking at like the pre race stuff, like cars on the grid. As Mike Joy's explaining this, or like they're in the booth and he's explaining it, they showed they showed Logano's glove as Mike Joy was explaining, which kind of gave everyone a good visual too. Right. 
Exactly. I mean, Mike Joy has been in the sport for a long time. So I feel like obviously when you see something like that, it's like, oh, that's not normal. Oh, exactly. I mean, and also he probably somebody, like I said, probably at that point, they got a more clear explanation as to it is because of the webbing. And then Mike Joy said, okay, well, I can relate that to this. And so boom. You know, obviously, so. now after doing research and looking at it more, for the people that are so like, what is, why would he be penalized for a, a glove that's like a baseball mitt? The reason is because the web is used to deflect air away from the window. Obviously, during qualifying, you can see drivers stick their hand out the window. They kind of keep as much air away from getting into the car as possible. Yeah, they stick. With a web hand. glove, it keep it keeps them from out of the car altogether. It kind of like gets stuck to his glove in a way. Well, I don't know if it, I don't get, the air doesn't get stuck, but it get like it like attracts to the glove. Well, I was gonna so say it, I don't it, I don't know if it keeps it gives it. and it also gives more arrow to the car itself when he had when Logano has his hand out the window with a glove like that. Right. And it actually apparently gives the car more speed, which is which I read which I read yesterday. It doesn't fully keep if and. This is from what I've just heard from Clint and Harvick. It doesn't fully keep the air out. It just helps reduce it that much more, which could be Yeah, and it gives which, which gives be, the car which yeah. gives the car better arrow and better speed, obviously. And and I think and I also just saw something too as we as you were talking a little bit ago. The the in car camera came out for Logano's qualifying lab at Daytona last week. In a slow motion, it appeared that Logano had the same gloves on. Hmm. And obviously, Logano got the pull for the 500. Hmm. I mean, so, and, and again, I don't think, and, maybe, and hopefully NASCAR comes out with a little bit more of a clarification here because they just kind of came out with a broad stroke. This is what it is. But I think I want to believe that the, the, the netting part isn't the, the, the glove, the webbing, webbing part isn't the issue. It's the fact that he modified a component that is designed to keep you safe. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah, granted, yes, that's a competitive advantage, you know, that he could put his hand up and now his hand with the webbing is taking up more of a space up against that, that, um, that, uh, driver net. I can't think of the actual word. What is that called? The net that they climb, the wind driver window. There's an actual word for it, but I can't think of what it is. But the basically the the window net. Thank duh. Yeah, the window. Sorry. Net. <laughs> so the wind the you know the webbing is going to take up more of an area up against the window net. But I think it was more so the fact that he modified a safety component, and now the question, of course, then becomes because of the modifications, are they going? Is it going to still perform the same way it's intended? You know, right. if if he's in an accident and there's fire around his hands and he has to put himself out or move something because of that webbing is now his his left hand going to burn. And I think that was ultimately what made NASCAR say, OK, this is the issue. Now, granted, right. a couple of days later, they might come out and say also <laughs> it was because he had a competitive advantage. But I think it was in the beginning because he modified a safety component. Yes. So, yeah. I mean, 
I'm intrigued to see if NASCAR does any additional penalties. Um, usually, I gotta assume there's some sort of fine that would be coming to the team. Right. Usually, it would either come later today, Tuesday, or tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, but yeah, no, I would, I would assume so too. And I wonder if NASCAR is gonna come up with some, some safety, like, or some not safety, um, competitive advantage. Uh, by law, not by law, but like an extra line in the rule book that says also, even if this glove is okay to use because of the safety components, we still don't allow this. You're right. Um, and obviously, he was penalized, but he was going to originally be like two or three laps down at the very beginning, but obviously they wrecked on lap two while Logano was on pit road, so he never lost a lap. Which, to begin which with. that seems. That seems to be a, a track record. Um, what was it? Kevin Harvick had to do a pass through at Bristol or something, and there was an accident. And then, like, there was another one where somebody had to do a pass through, and there was an accident. So, if, so folks, if you're ever at a race and uh, a driver has to do a pass through, I would say there's a good chance you're going to see an accident on lap two. <laughs> yes. <laughs> if if you are into sports betting, that is the time to put money down on lap two accident. Um. One thing I wanted to mention was the truck series roof coming off. So the reason why I bring this up is because it was brought up in the Door Bumper Clear podcast of NASCAR possibly doing something where they require a tether or something in there, like a different part to the trucks to make sure that this doesn't happen because the truck was driving along the roof flies off it's now a projectile nascar caught it quickly to make sure to put the field under caution but if he was closer to the front of the field how is this going to be when it slams off the windshield of a guy in the back right and that's a whole roof piece like it's not just like (laughs) not just like the the roof flap it's the part he climbs out of out of Right. The whole lap pretty much came off. Exactly. So it was a half, it became a half sunroof. Right, exactly. He had the convertible. Just without, just without the window. He was no te- window. He was testing the Mazda series for NASCAR. Um but uh it just makes me wonder because like as they mentioned on Door Bumper Clear, and they record their shows Monday, most of those truck teams are already on the road Monday night, if not Tuesday morning, to Las Vegas. So if NASCAR is coming out on Monday afternoon and saying, hey, you need to do this, this, and this, how do you do that? You know, so I'm, I guess I don't have m- much more information on it, and I don't know if you can find any information over there, but I figured I would just throw it out there. It's just something to keep in mind um, going forward, you know, see how it affects this weekend in Vegas or if it doesn't, or if it doesn't even get brought up, but just something I was thinking about, or I heard from DBC, and it was well, made, made me thought. Think well, about I do know what caused his roof to ultimately come off. All right, enlighten enlighten us, sir. So under green, Bailey Carey said a piece of debris hit the top of his windshield. Okay, cracked the windshield, like, and it broke the brace where the windshield and the roof connect. That'll do it. After the contact, the roof buckled, and with wind getting inside the cockpit, the roof eventually just. So, okay. well, that'll do it. 
So I wonder if now NASCAR is going to come out and say, all right, folks or drivers, we are, we're going to in like reinforce this, reinforce that. But again, how do you do that when you come out on Monday and say, hey, we're going to do this. And then NASCAR teams are like, well, truck's already on the road. Right. <laughs> Uh, no can I mean, do. I, I can't see NASCAR penalizing him for it because obviously it's not like he, the team did it on purpose. Right. It's uh, uh, obviously it's kind of unlucky a piece of debris hitting it, which is, I'd say, a rare occasion because I don't know if I've ever seen some, wow. something like that happen. So obviously it's a unlucky situation, but obviously I don't think that he gets penalized at all for hitting a piece of debris, which obviously NASCAR didn't see. No, I mean, and I agree with you on that. I don't think there's going to be a penalty. Um, but I do think that, like like I said, the, the question I had was the fact that you have NASCAR coming out and saying, well, there's a possibility we're going to have you do a safety upgrade. <laughs> and it's like, well, when? Because <laughs> the truck's already, truck already rolled out, you know, or whatever the case may be. So it just makes me wonder you know and and again i guess we'll just we'll have to see but just keep that in mind is really what i'm getting at is that's a potential storyline to when they get to vegas if nascar says hey i need you you need to change this this and this you mm-hmm. know how's that work with the teams who might not have this this and this to fix right so definitely interesting but uh, we had a, a cup race on Sunday night that um, is potentially one of the the best in Atlanta history, if not in the recent history of NASCAR. Um, before we talk about the finish, and I do a quick kind of poll to determine if we think that it's one of the greatest finishes in NASCAR, Let's go through the race. So we start the race. Joey Logano has a penalty. He's got to go to the back. Uh, Chase Elliott had a penalty as well as a couple others. They all had to start in the back. Um, Joey Logano had to do a pass through. So race starts. He goes down the back straightaway and pulls right off into pit road. And then we have a accordion effect outside row coming across the start finish line. Sees Austin Dillon spin. Sees... Uh, Noah Gregston spin. You got a handful, probably 14 or 15 cars wadding it up in turn one, lap number two. Six, yeah, 16 car wreck on lap two, biggest top car pileup in Atlanta history right off the bat, lap two. <laughs> Atlanta Motor Speedway history already. Boom. So then you you kind of drivers settle in. You have a couple, you have a spin. Um, there's Denny Hamlin who gets spun. Uh, or after contact with Kyle Busch, whether it was Kyle Busch spun him or Denny Hamlin came down, I don't really know. Um, I didn't. Nothing really came of that either. Like it wasn't anything where they fought and or anything. As Denny Hamlin said on his podcast, "Actions, actions detrimental." Yesterday, he completed the trifecta. He spun out in every stage. Perfect. Stage one off the bumper of Kyle Busch, which was Denny thinking he was clear, and he wasn't. Mm. Stage two, stage two was Joey Logano being, uh, I don't know, 
coming up the track to try to block Busher. He did. He thought he was clear. Coming up three lanes. He thought he was clear. <laughs> Busher was directly beside Logano, took out Busher, and Hamlin obviously nailed Busher in the back. And so he which thought he pretty was much clear. took, but which pretty much took Logano out of the race. Hamlin that wasn't affected. He ended up being P four out of, after all that. For yeah. I don't know how he was. And then obviously in stage three, he got trapped four wide, and Briscoe tried to make it work with four wide, which has worked, but that part of the track, it didn't. Mm. So Briscoe spun, and that's what pretty much took Hamlin out of contention of the race. He still finished, like, he finished 23rd with a lap down after that. Mm. Hamlin did so. He joked saying uh, he completed the trifecta, spinning <laughs> in every every stage. So that kind of recaps the rest of the race. <laughs> and he also did the cliche of, I did, I did everything but hit the pace car. Which... Funny enough, Kyle Busch has at Loudon. Um, so, <laughs> so there's there's, there's been more than times than just Loudon that he's that Kyle Busch in pace cards. That's true. That's true. But uh, <laughs> no. So overall, though, really good race, competitive. It was fun. Um, Jordan, I want to ask your opinion. You have contact between what was it? Who was it? it was McDowell and Byron entrance Byron. entrance to pit road. No caution. What's your thoughts? Yeah, so obviously that was controversial the whole way because obviously they went back to last week of like, oh, you threw the caution when Chastain and Sendrick went down the track and did that, but you don't spin it when McDowell and Byron are damaged but not badly. Sitting on pit road the entrance of pit road while green flag pit stops were going on. Which, of course, for those of you who don't know, Atlanta's entrance to pit road isn't the normal one you'd see on a mile and a half. It's over in turn three. Yes, and pit road exits pit as on turn one. Yeah, so normal. A, but point nor- is, is yeah. they're not behind like a concrete wall like you'd see at Martinsville or something like or like Charlotte. It's They are right in the thick of it. So and most pit road speeds are forty five miles per hour. Atlanta's is once they get the pit road, but like green flag pit stops, it's ninety until they get get to the entrance actual entrance of pit road on turn four. Turn four, yeah, it goes down to forty five. But so, yellow flag under caution, it's forty five all the way around. So that just goes to show you how confusing the pit road <laughs> pit road speed at Atlanta is. And obviously, uh, we had a lot. I think. We, I wonder if we set a record for most speeding penalties in one during the green flag cycle during that time. Josh Berry got it twice. Um, forget who else got speeding penalties, but I know Josh Berry got it got it twice. William Byron got it. McDowell got one. It was like everyone everyone just it was like Oprah in the show. You get a car. You get a car. So you get a speed penalty. You get one. You get a penalty. You get a penalty. And and for those of you out there listening, going wait, why do they? Why are they entering a turn three and driving along the apron? It's because the entrance to the old pit road at Atlanta, unlike Talladega and Daytona, you literally come off the banking and turn. So when you're doing the high speeds that they're now doing at Atlanta, NASCAR said, this is not a safe situation. And it's going to result in an accident. And they they said, which okay. It still does. Which it still does, but at least it's not a big one off turn four. Um so now they have them enter in turn three and drive around. And at first, it was 45 all the way around. And everybody threw their arms up saying, what? And then NASCAR said, okay, under green, 
it's this to this point, and then that from that point. Still a little confusing, but... But everyone was like, how come you're not throwing a caution? There's only two cards blocking pit road. But based on my understanding of what I saw an explanation of, NASCAR tries not to throw a caution for something like that during green flag pit stops. Right. Even though they probably should have. Yeah. Because you have two cars. Byron was sitting there for a little bit. McDowell yeah. ultimately drove off right away, but Byron was sitting there for a little bit. His car wasn't firing right away. And he, and he was pointed at the the double white line, which is the bottom of the racing line. Like, he wasn't yes. up against the wall. He wasn't away from the racing line. He was, he like, right in the middle of pit road. Right there, yeah. Like, if some – that was ultimately the end of Green Flag pit stops anyway. I don't think anyone else came on the pit road after that. But it kind of just goes to show you how NASCAR can be confusing at times. Huh. Because usually they throw a caution for something like that. But, but because, essentially, they said Green Flag pit stops, they try not to throw f- cautions. Then everyone's kind of like – what are we doing? And it's so funny that, that they say that. So <laughs> they say that, but then at the same, in the same seven days, they come out and say, NAS- the drivers were driving at 50% throttle. We're going to gonna look into that. So it's like, hang on, hang on. Part of the strategy is the game. We understand where you're coming from, NASCAR, where you're saying, Look, we understand the strategy. We don't want to mess up green flag pit stops. But if that's what happens, that's what happens. Race control should not, in my opinion, in my opinion, I'm putting that above this. In my opinion, race control should not take into consideration your strategies. You are there to call a race. Mm-hmm. You're there to call a safe race. What if what if Byron high sides himself, like you might see at Daytona, can't excuse me, can't get it going, and by the time NASCAR says, whoa, put it out, put it out, you have guys coming maybe down the back straightaway. They let off the gas, but they're still doing 150 miles an hour into turn three, and mm-hmm. boom. Now you have a an almost a head-on wreck with a car that's doing maybe by that point 130, 140, and a car that's not moving. Like, I get where NASCAR's coming from. You don't want to mess up the pit cycles. You don't want to mess up that. That's fine. I get it, but at the same time, the crew chiefs and everybody, they play the game. You know, you see it in Formula One. Oh, a car is stopped on the exit of turn seven. Everybody dives to pit road. Mm-hmm. Because they expect that full course yellow. Or, you know, whatever the case may be. So they all dive to pit road because that is the game they're playing. And I think that NASCAR just needs to... NASCAR needs to not worry about the the strategy they need to worry about calling the race. I don't think you can relate this to the situation in Daytona because NASCAR made it clear, you know, oh, well, if they had stayed in the grass, we would have let them go because they would have probably been able to drive away. That's fine. And then as soon as Sandra came back up to the racetrack, that's when you had to throw a caution. If mm-hmm. Byron stalled out, they probably would have thrown a caution. But he, Byron did stall out. Sorry, let me phrase that. It stalled out for longer than yeah. he did. Um, then they would have probably thrown a caution. But again, at a track like Atlanta where they're doing, again, unofficially, I'm going to say 30 to 45 second lap times, maybe closer to 45 seconds. I don't know off the top of my head. You need to be quick on your calls. And if you have two cars backwards 
McDowell was backwards. He was pointing the wrong direction in an unprotected part of pit road. Like, he was, what, 40 feet away from the racing line? Backwards? I say you throw a caution there. I understand the strategy. I understand the, the concern of, oh, well, if we throw it here, it's going to throw everyone out. That's Okay, that's fair. But the people sitting on the pit boxes are paid to figure that out. The people up in the right. tower are paid to keep everybody safe. Yes, and obviously if that wasn't the end of Green Flag Pit Stops is the car that comes down the pit road, sees Byron right there, they're not really going to be able to move because Byron is blocking most of that pit road. Right. Right. So, again, as I said on our broadcasts, when we cover high school sports or even when we're filming racing, you're human, you're making a decision, heat of the moment, understandable. But at the same time, <laughs> you you also need to think about the big picture there instead of saying, well, I mean, let me, let me back up. They did think about the big picture when it came to the strategy, but they need to also think safety-wise big picture. You know, it yeah. wasn't like he spun out and then went into the road course section that's over in turn three and was away from the racing line and got back on pit road or spun out on pit road, which is 100, 200 feet away from the racing line. He spun out and he hit the wall looking now at the back straightaway in the wrong direction. That's yes. McDowell. Byron. And then, no, no, I'm saying McDowell. Then you have Byron, oh, yes. who's now trying to drive away from the situation. And I understand why Byron did what he did. And I really hope his spotter cleared him before he did it. But Byron drove onto the racing line to drive away from the accident. If his spotter did not clear him for doing that, uh-oh. Willie B, what are you doing? Yeah. Because he literally, and at one point, he I don't know if you caught this, he literally did high-side himself for a moment. His right rear tire was off the ground when he went to pull away. And thankfully, his left side rear was on the ground, so he was able to pull away. But, like, he almost, he could have been in a bad situation. And again... Spotters and drivers are really good in the sense that you're going to have your your spotter probably his spotter probably cleared him and said you're good go but still nah, just throw a caution that's the game the unpredictability of the game you're playing throw a caution right that's just that's my two cents on that situation Thanks for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> all right. So now, end of the race comes. We got Blaney out in front. Devin sees $10 coming back to his DraftKings account. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, Kyle Busch gets a run. Daniel Suarez gets a run. All of a sudden, you're three wide into turn three. Still holding three wide. You have Bubba Wallace kind of trying to figure out where he wants to go, but because of that, he's not necessarily feeding any energy forward. Like, if he stayed with Blaney, he might have been able to push Blaney forward. If he stayed with Bush or Swart, whatever, he was kind of looking for an options. This results in off turn four, three wide, to the line, and three cars, 3,200 pounds each, 
within seven one thousandths of a second of each other. We talked about it a little bit earlier. Crazy finish. Daniel Suarez wins. Congratulations to him. Um, again, the other drivers involved were just blown away with what they were just a part of. Um, and the question I have for you is we've seen it on social media. We've seen it everywhere. Was this, and I have an opinion on this, so I'll go second, but was this the one of the greatest finishes in NASCAR period. One of you, one of absolutely. I mean, how are they? Often... Is it the top 10? Oh, 100%. Mm, okay. <laughs> Go ahead. I, the reason I say that is because, again, when, how often do we have three, three wide finish like that that close together? Fair enough. I know it's the third closest finish in NASCAR history, obviously, with 2011 Dart or 2003 Darlington being the closest. 2011 Craven uh, and Bush. 2011 was it Talladega or, when they were three wide? 2011 Talladega being the second closest, and those were two thousandths of a second, two one thousandths of a second. So that finish was three one thousandths of a second. It was third, but it's one one thousandth. A second off from being the one of being tied for the closest finish, hmm. and uh, and I think it was just that whole lap, you, the move that Blaney did or that Bush did to make it three wide. Blaney came, coming in, and I mean, how often do you have someone has NASCAR had a finish like that where people are still talking about it even today? And it's and it's Tuesday. not the, and it's not the Daytona Five Hundred, you know, yeah, or a championship. You know, yeah, cause, exactly. Because we've had finishes where that was just that was just the second race of the year, and it's and everyone's saying already hands down that's the race of the year. No one's going to beat it, right? I kind of feel bad for Las Vegas now because obviously they're the week they're the race following, and obviously it's still an SMI track, so it's still the same owners. But the fans going to Las Vegas this weekend are are going to be like, how is how is this race going to even compare to what we saw at Atlanta last week? Right. So. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give credit to my thought process here because they, again, I listened to Door Bumper Clear this morning. That's never a good thing. And they you're giving credit to your thinking. That's never a good thing. No, 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 no. I'm giving credit to where my thoughts are coming from, and it was from Door Bumper Clear, because um, they said something this morning on when I was listening to the podcast that I was just like, oh yeah, that's great, and and I'm not trying because of that. I'm not gonna sit there and say that I completely disagree with you. What I will say is. I agree that it was one of the greatest finishes, but I think it's kind of, it might be in like the top 15 or 20 only because it's the top 10 of super speedway type finishes in, in the fan point of, yes, numbers wise, you're right. It's the third closest boom. It's great. But I would say, and again, this is door bumper clear gave me the ideas here, so I got to give them credit. And not to, to loose, or should I say, to loosely quote them, you are full out on the floor hoping and praying that the air works your way to finish three one thousandths of a second behind the guy. But yet, Marcus Ambrose wheeling his car at Watkins Glen in 2012 through an oil spill 
dealing with Kyle Busch and Brad Keselowski, wheeling the thing, slipping and sliding, going left and right, you know, in and out of the throttle, on the brakes, off the brakes, that's also just as good. You know, Ricky Craven, Kurt Busch slamming up against each other at Darlington, one of the closest numbers-wise finish, that is good. Um, obviously, 2007, Mark Martin and Kevin Harvick coming to the line. Not one of the closest, but still, like, like I feel like... 2000, 2001, Atlanta, Kevin Harvick and Jeff Gordon were the most probably... Exactly. I'm, I would probably say... The f- in the sense of 2000, since the 2000s, one of the most iconic moments in NASCAR. Exactly. Was Harvick, the, not even, I don't even think a month after losing Dale Senior. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So exactly. Kevin Harvick, the replacement for, I don't want to say replacement for Dale Senior, but obviously the driver that had to come in and kind of fill that role, mm-hmm. winning like that for his first one at Atlanta with exactly. the three fingers out, out the window. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, and then obviously, you have. Obviously, that one's up there too. And then you have like the Carl Edwards and Jimmy Johnson battle at Atlanta. Um, you had uh, Joey Logano, Denny Hamlin at Auto Club in 2013, where unfortunately Denny Hamlin wound up crashing and breaking his back and like that type of finish. Um, you know, you've had Auto Auto Club, I think 2013 when Logano and Hamlin touched and Bush yeah. won. I think it was an Auto Club. That's what I, yeah, that's what I just mentioned. I and I think I had said auto club. Either way, like, yeah, exactly. So my point is is numbers and time wise, yes, it was one of the top three, you know, most the closest finishes. And don't get me wrong, folks, it was an amazing finish. It was exciting. I was screaming at the TV. Like my mom and sister are hanging out and with me and we're just watching and then all of a sudden I'm going, Oh my, oh my, oh my, oh my and I'm like, shh. Like, and I was trying to get their attention to look at the TV because, boom, three wide. Like, it was an amazing finish. But I think when it comes to super speedway finishes, yeah, it's in, up in the top ten. Greatest finish of all time, list-wise, for NASCAR, it's up there. But I still think your your Watkins Glens and your Darlingtons and your Auto Clubs and... <laughs> And these other races that are really close that these drivers are wheeling their cars. I think those take those take the T. And again, I want to say thank you to Door Bumper Clear for giving me those ideas because they were the ones who made me go, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They made me kind of see it. But still, that's just my opinion. And I, from your involvement, Jordan, I would say that you also are now <laughs> you also are now agreeing Like kind of. No, um, I still agree it's top ten. Whatever. No, I still I still think it's top ten. Whatever. He just wants to go against me. Um. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, nah, I mean, and I think, like I said, I think it was a great. I think it was a great race. I think. I think that something else that was brought up this morning, uh, I don't know if it was door pump or clear. That said it, or one of the other pages, or something I saw. But three years ago, when they repaved, when they said they were going to redo Atlanta, everybody was kicking and screaming. Don't repave it. Don't repave it. Don't repave it. This asphalt is old and it's racing great. 
Drivers like Kevin Harvick loved that track. I mean, I loved the track. It was a racer's racetrack. You know, you had to you had to fight up against the the asphalt and race with the tires, and it was perfect. It was great. So then NAS or SMI says, guys, we gotta repave this thing before it becomes a safety issue. And they redo it the way they they did it. And again, I don't remember who said it or I read it or heard it, but this new Atlanta is the perfect predecessor to the old Atlanta. Right? You had Atlanta was up here as far as your, you know, top, it was like top five of best racetracks on the circuit to race at, drive at, you know, woo! And then everybody goes back, every track goes back a couple steps when you repave it because it's just like, ugh, new asphalt. Well, unless you're North Wilkesboro, I don't think you can get as bad as the All-Star Race last year. Well, okay, hold on. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, you you go to repave a track and immediately it loses its characteristics it had. Point is, is this track, yeah, it lost its char- old characteristics, but it's still just as exciting. It's one of the hottest tickets on NAS- in on the schedule. Also, also, there's breaking news for this weekend at Vegas. Nope, here we go. I don't want, it's not breaking news where it's like, oh, no way, wow, sh- oh. history, but... 2.33 p.m. on February 27th. Some breaking news. Bob Parker's just tweeted yeah. saying there's a new right side tire for Cup for Vegas this year. And also, that also will be used at Texas, Kansas, and Nashville. It has an updated construction that hopefully gives teams more of a tuning window. Remember last year, some teams had issues with right sides in practice, but we're okay in race. Hmm. Interesting. So it's not like, wow, that's crazy, but, but Bob, it could Parker be. Should be Bob Parker just released that, so. But it could be like that could be a huge storyline this weekend, depending on how that goes. <laughs> and obviously, uh, for good or bad, about a couple hours ago, Hendrick Motorsports announced that they are once again entering their number 17 HendrickCars.com Xfinity car. Oh, yes. You had mentioned you wanted to bring that up. Their schedule has been released. It's a, it's Alex Bowman, William Byron, Chase Hill, and Kyle Larson, as well as Boris said. So, the it all starts March 9th, Phoenix Raceway, which will be William Byron at the wheel. Mm. And then at Coda, on March 23rd, the Circuit of the Americas will be Kyle Larson. May 11th, which I think is a throwback weekend for Darlington, unless it's the player, wait, the, the fall race. I, I don't remember. But either way, May 11th, Darlington Raceway will be William Byron. May 25th, the Coke 600, or we Coke 600 weekend, I should say, mm. is Chase Elliott. June 8th will be Sonoma Race. It will, it will be Sonoma Raceway with Boris Said. June 22nd, New Hampshire Motor Speedway with Alex Bowman. July 6th, the Chicago Street Race with Kyle Larson, because now NASCAR's going to let Cup drivers race in the Xfinity Series right now. Hmm. July 13th, Pocono Raceway will be William Byron. August 31st, Darlington 2 will be Chase Elliott. And September 14th, Watkins Glen will be William Byron. Obviously, I think it's kind of funny they gave Alex Bowman the 17 for New Hampshire because I feel like historically that he probably does not like that track very much. <laughs> He's had some bad luck at New Hampshire. Yeah, he has. But obviously, it's more track time for him. So obviously, maybe he'll get – I don't want to say get used to things because obviously he's been racing in New Hampshire for a few years, several years now. But obviously, maybe getting the extra tack time, Xfinity, the cup race, maybe he'll – have more confidence with that. 
Because obviously he's wrecked, he wrecked out of the last the wrecked out the, or I don't know if he officially wrecked out, but I know he spun out in the last two years. New Hampshire is one of those tracks that we talk about the character in a race in a race track, and that is, yeah, people think it's just a flat, boring one mile oval. But we drove on the track last summer, and let me tell you, folks, there is a lot of character to that race track. So much so that my Toyota Tundra might have only almost needed new right side doors. But point is, is like it's one we of we almost made we almost became best friends with the turn three wall. Yeah, we we almost tested tested the safer bear the safer bear. As I still have the video, you can hear Devin do a little <laughs> do a little scream, and then you can hear the, in my video the tire screeching because you know we got tight. We didn't we couldn't turn. There was no grip, man. There was no grip. <laughs> um, but yeah, no. My point is though is uh, New Hampshire is definitely one of those tracks that the more seat time you have, I believe the better you're going to run. So to have him in the Xfinity car on Saturday and then run the cup car Sunday, that'll probably be really good for him. And honestly, I don't think, I don't think it's just limited to him. I think anybody that runs an Xfinity car on Saturday and then a cup car on Sunday on a track like New Hampshire or a track like Martinsville or a track like Phoenix, it's just benefit overall. Right. So, well, we've passed the one hour mark. Um, any other fast thoughts here looking back at Atlanta or even looking ahead to Las Vegas? I mean, practice for Vegas. Every series is going to have pra- actual actual practice this time before qualifying. That's good. Because now, obviously, we're no longer at a super speedway. Woohoo! <laughs> so, obviously, that's been a big topic of discussion, but... Yeah. All three series will have practice at Vegas with the Cup practicing at 2.05 p.m. on Saturday, which is a, a little late practice for what they usually do, but obviously Xfinity is not till, the race is not till 5. 2.05. Xfinity will practice from Las Vegas at 6.35 on Friday. The Truck Series will practice Friday at 4.35 because they also race – Friday night at 9 p.m. Eastern, obviously, because being at Vegas, it's 6 o'clock. Three-hour difference from the Eastern. And obviously, like I said, Xfinity races at 5 on Saturday, and the Cup races at 3.30 on Sunday. So, 3.30 Eastern? 3.30 Eastern. All right. Well, it should be, should be fun. should be a good weekend, I think. I think anybody. I feel, who... I feel like this. I feel like this weekend might be heavily criticized. Or maybe the cup race from Atlanta. Well, I was <laughs> just about to say. I was just about if to it's, say. If anything, if, if it's anything other than a three ride or more finish, I'm gonna be like, "Oh, that race sucked." Well, that's. What I was just about to say that. <laughs> no. So anybody out there who's going, "Oh my goodness, Atlanta's the best thing. That was awesome. I can't wait to watch this weekend in Las Vegas." Please know. Don't expect the same. Yeah, please know that they are different racetracks. And did Literally, we mention the odds? Yeah, sure. Dodge have been released. All right. Kyle Larson is the favorite at plus 400. Okay. I can see Devin pulling out his phone now. No, I don't have any money in DraftKings anymore, so <laughs> we're not. William Byron is the second best favorite at plus 850, as well as Denny Hamlin with eight, plus 850, Ryan Blaney at, at plus 900, and Christopher Bell plus 900. And uh, poor J.J. Yaley, who apparently is an open car. As plus one hundred thousand odds to win at Las Vegas, I'll take it. You put like you put like two bucks in. You could 
You could be coming home with a lot of money. You could win a lot of money right there. Um, yeah. No, I think I'm going to take the weekend off in sports and, betting. And also, <laughs> Derek Krause is making his Cup Series debut this weekend at, from Las Vegas. Nice. I, I mean, forget. It'll be exciting. I forget what team he is. I think it's colleague. It'll be an exciting weekend for sure. So definitely check it out on the Fox family of networks. And um, yeah, we'll see what see what happens. Um, I'm trying to figure. Out, I'm trying to find it. I'm trying to try to find it out what team Derek Cross is driving for this weekend. I forgot. Okay. Um, but yeah, no, I think def- while he looks that up, I think definitely people need to go into this race with an open mind. Can't necessarily say that, you know, this race is going to be the same way Atlanta ran. Um, but I think it will be it'll be a good race. Vegas usually puts on a good show. Tire strategies involved, fuel strategy involved. I think it's overall, I think it's always a good a good showcase out there. So, yes, usually it is. Um yeah, I mean, I don't have any other thoughts. He said everything I was thinking. Um, he will be, yeah. So Derek Cross will drive the number sixteen car for Colleague, the Cup car on Sunday. Perfect. Obviously, because that's a part time. Well, I don't want to say it's a part time car, but obviously, it's going to be switched between multiple drivers now that AJ Allmendinger is back full time in the Xfinity Series. Yep. All right. Cool. Well, any final thoughts here in general? Um, looking forward to uh, Las Vegas. Viva um, Las Vegas. <laughs> There's my singing. See? Stopped never him. do never do that again. <laughs> um, Stopped him from talking. Wow. Okay, good to know. So, <laughs> Las Vegas, so Las Vegas, I think usually it's not too bad of a race, I think, overall for all three series there. Yeah. Obviously what what they're not usually talked about is the Bubba Wallace Kyle Larson incident from twenty twenty two. But I mean, I'm looking forward to this weekend. I think we we got some good racing on awesome. our hand. I'll unlock on wood. Also on the motorsports calendar, one more final thing before we have to go. Uh, Formula One, this one. Weekend. yep, Bahrain International Circuit, 10 a.m. Eastern. I think you can watch it on ESPN. Uh, we still got we still got a couple weeks till IndyCar though. We still got a couple weeks actually. I think they come back either the 7th. March 10th. Yeah, so next weekend. Um, two weekends. That's what oh, I meant. Yeah, right. That's what I meant. Two weeks. Um, trying to find. Forget. I forget where they are. I'll look it up. Right Saint now. Pete. That's where they'll be. Saint Petersburg, Florida. Yep. So yep, Bahrain this weekend for Formula One. We can kind of either of us catch any of that. We can chat about that. Um, and yeah, so don't forget. Looking forward to looking forward. Max for Max for Stapp, another win. <laughs> Don't forget to share, obviously, this podcast. Spread the word. We're still building. Uh, follow us on socials, uh, Racing Hotspot on Facebook and Racing Hotspot on Instagram. Uh, we're now on Spotify and Apple, as well as YouTube and our uh, the DPPG website. And, yeah, so cool. Well, thank you all so much for tuning in. Until we see each other for next week, we hope you have a great week, and we'll see you all real soon.